ongoing, relentless, never-ending education, continually not only learning and, and getting education from the highest quality sources you can at all times, but also applying that education, actually doing something about it and taking action. Best ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> well, guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are, because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips, how to optimize the profits on those flips, and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles, as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out, fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. You're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't do any of that fluffy stuff. We cut it out and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we got Gabriel Gibson. How you doing? Hey, Joe. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well, and welcome to the show. He is a senior managing partner at Lifehouse Circle Real Estate, which is based in Dallas, Texas. Specializes in wholesaling, remodeling, rental property, subject to owner finance, all that creative stuff. He's been doing it for 15 years, and you can say hi to him at lifehousecircle.com. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, sure. By the way, my internet connection is acting a little funky right now, and I got a, a dog that might start barking here in a minute. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I read a book when I was 13 years old on real estate investing, some generic book I found one day, and just it turned me on. I was like, I'm going to do that. And it took me a while to get started, but after a while, I finally got cranking on it, and it's always been a really big passion of mine. It's probably one of my top five things that I love about being alive on earth right now. So let's talk about a little bit of your experience. I listed off a bunch of different things from subject to, to remodeling, to wholesaling, rental property. How are you making your money right now? We're really doing all of the above. I think obviously it's important to have a toolbox that can accommodate whatever a seller might need. Sometimes that'll be cash. Sometimes that'll be something a little bit more creative. And ultimately... 
We're doing several deals a month. A lot of them we're not taking down ourselves, so we're just wholesaling them. The ones that make sense for us, we'll sell them on our finance, we'll remodel them, we'll sell them on the retail market, turn them into rentals if it makes sense for us. And I mean, really, it just kind of depends on the specific situation. Let's talk about a specific situation and tell us how you would approach it. So can you tell us a story of one of those deals and then which option you decided to do and how that turned out? Sure, absolutely. There was a, I guess, a probate situation recently within the last few months. They were kind of not in perfect agreement on how to sell the house, but ultimately we assisted them in the probate process, which they were unfamiliar with. We purchased it for cash. Do you want numbers or do you just want Yeah, the numbers. Okay. So we purchased it for about, I believe it's about 82000 cash. It was already in really good shape. We put about maybe two or three thousand in it, so we were all in for about eighty-five. We actually raised the money through private lending to just pay for the entire thing, and ultimately, what we ended up doing with it is we did a little bit of work. We just sold it on the market for a hundred fifty-five thousand with twenty thousand dollar down payment, and I believe after everything is said and done, we're pulling in approximately four hundred dollars in cash flow. Thank God. That's just one example of kind of a creative situation that has served us well. First, I want to make sure I understand the numbers. You bought it for eighty-two. You put in three thousand, two to three, so we'll say eighty-five. Those were all the improvements you put in, and then you turned around and sold it for one fifty-five, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Right. And you said you got the private money for the eighty-five thousand. How do you structure the deal with the private money? You know, again, that depends on the investor, what they need. A lot of doctors and people that grown to know over the years, they have a bunch of money sitting around. They're not really professional investors. And ultimately, you can give them a decent return on their money. And it's essentially it, just a simple like return on your money with a, in this case, I think it's like a maybe a 10 or a 12-year amortization. Relatively simple. What's the interest rate they're getting? In this case, I believe it's 8%. Okay. So 8% and it's a fixed rate for how long? In this case, I believe it's 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Got it. And what's your exit strategy? How do you approach that since you have investors in there? Ultimately, in this specific case, we sought and thank God found a long-term investor, I guess 10-year investor. Apparently, they don't have anything better right now to do than get that 8% on it. And they're happy because they have a first lien position securing their real estate. So exit strategy, I mean, ultimately is pay them off eventually after 10 years and I want to collect a cash flow for the next 20 if, mm -hmm. if, if, of course, they haven't refinanced or sold it in the meantime. How do you pay them off? What cash do you use for that? Cash flow from the buyer. So the $400 a month? No, no, no. We pay a certain amount, and after everything is said and done, after the investor's paid, then we collect about $390 something a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're getting money from the payment that the new owner, and this is basically what, a lease option? No, we've sold them the property. Okay. Just, we've created a, what's known as a wraparound note here, and I don't know if it's that way nationally, but here in Texas, it's called a wrap. So basically, oh. you wrap it around the note, and the buyer, they know they don't have the first lane position and things of this nature. Mm -hmm. okay. Or we don't have the first lane position. They understand that there's an underlying lane, I should say. Got it. All right. So there's a wraparound. When you look at this deal and you compare it to your other deals, are they this involved? And I'm curious, you've been in the business for 15 years. Does this seem like it is 
more creative than what you're used to or is this normal? It's not the most common thing. I mean, we've done several of them, if that's your question. I'd like to do a lot more because they seem to be pretty profitable as it stands. But generally speaking, I wouldn't say that's the majority. I mean, generally, it's going to be an all-cash transaction and either to wholesale it, either to fix and flip it, and just sell it on the retail market. So generally speaking, the turnaround time is a lot less than something as involved as what was originally described. That makes sense? That does make sense. What's your least favorite creative option to do? Least favorite creative option? Well, I would not do a creative option unless it benefited everyone involved. And that includes the seller, the buyer, the investors, anyone in between. I mean, I want to make sure it's a win-win win on every single level. So I guess my least favorite creative option would be one that didn't benefit everyone involved <laughs> in some capacity. What is the most challenging creative option that you've done? Maybe uh, subject to and then sell it as an owner finance. Okay. Can you tell us a story of when you did that? Yeah. Uh, there's a few stories, but let me maybe share a more simple one that comes to mind. Essentially, there was a property in Fort Worth, Texas. It was abandoned. I think they had moved to Puerto Rico. I had to call uh, someone I'd worked with in the past just to do this translation for me. I'm working on my Spanish, but I haven't reached that level just yet. So they had abandoned the property. It was in foreclosure. We finally got them on the phone in Puerto Rico, talked to them. And essentially what we did is we, we bought the property subject to the existing mortgage. It actually was in decent shape as well. We did need to do a little bit of work on it. And uh, once we did, we sold it on the owner finance market. Off the top of my head, I don't know if I could tell you what we sold it for. I know we bought it for about 85 as well. I think we might have sold it for 140 with maybe 14 down or something of this nature. But yeah, I mean, ultimately created a wrap, created a, a difference in the underlying cash flow and the one we received from the buyer. I'm sorry, did you, you asked the question. I'm not sure if I quite answered it for you. Yeah, just an example of the subject to, and then you sell, sold it as an owner finance. Right. So that underlying lien stays in place. The seller, first of all, understands what's going on with it. The buyer also understands what's going on with it. The seller got an opportunity not to get foreclosed on, not to have that nightmare on their record for the next 10,000 years. And then the buyer got a beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood, a payment they can afford that's in line with the rental market. And of course, our company gets cash flow and I think something like 30 or 40 in equity. Thank God. How did you learn the different ways of structuring deals? Like I had mentioned, Joe, early on, I knew I wanted to do real estate investing. I think I might have been 19 or 20. I basically just started going to real estate investing meetings, getting that education, going to courses, reading books, doing whatever I could. And my number one strategy for learning has been I would go to the top investor in the market that I could find. I would say, listen, I want to work. I want to learn. I want to work for you. And I'll do it for free. So in the meantime, while I was broke back then, I would find a way to make it work. I'd work odd jobs and I'd work for the investor for free. I would just do whatever the hell they told me as it related to real estate investing and ask a lot of questions as a kind of exchange for my efforts. And I've done it again and again and again for 15 years. And I continually seek my next level of mentor that I can offer my energy toward. What's one person you reached out to, you said, I'd like to work for you for free. If you can think about that scenario, what did you do for them and for how long? I think the first situation, I was in Austin, Texas, living at the time. There was an investor who was running a real estate school. 
And basically, I just said, you know, I said the same thing. Um, what did I do for them? I mean, I did this lasted a few months. I drove around. I looked at properties. I drove for dollars, did comp. Basically, anything that you might get a beginner to do in your if they were joining your real estate investing team, I did. I just did the basics. And in the process, I had a bunch of questions that I always insisted got answered at some point or another, or they did get answered at some point or another. And uh, essentially just did some basic real estate investing things, brought deals to the guy, and ultimately I came across some deals and, and made the money. How did you determine when it was time to stop doing that? Because you said it lasted only a few months. In my experience, you know, generally speaking, that'll just kind of happen organically. And you'll offer what you can to somebody, and they'll offer what they can to you. And, and if it continues to work for people, then uh, great. And if it's time to move on, it's time to move on. Sometimes you reach a certain level of your learning and I don't know that you can always, I guess it just kind of happens organically. What's the longest you worked with someone for free? Ultimately, at some point in many of those relationships, once I was working for someone for free, enough value would come along, a deal or two would come along. And eventually an investor is going to work with you on a deal like that and you'll eventually get paid. Maybe they didn't pay you specifically, but you get paid from a deal you found or a deal that you brought value towards. So the longest I worked for free, I look at it as you work to learn and then get paid as you bring in something that profits everybody. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But I'd like to know, and perhaps some best ever listeners are curious, how long you stuck it out until then you got paid. Because some people, maybe if they're working with someone or they're thinking about working with someone, they're like, okay, man, I've been working with them for a month or two months. I haven't got any money in return. I get the knowledge thing. I'm all about that. But I'm just curious, what was the longest period of time you were working, did not receive monetary compensation, and then you finally got the monetary compensation or you went another direction? Great. Yeah, good question. Really, and I might have been just a kind of a late bloomer or something of this nature, but ultimately, I think probably somewhere between 12 to 18 months, like in my initial phase when I was early on in Austin, Texas. Wow. So it, it took me a while. You know, I'm not, a, <laughs> that's just, that's just what happened, you know? Yeah. 12 to 18 months you were working for free in exchange for knowledge and answers to your questions, but no monetary compensation. Right. And did you get in on a deal with that group or did you say, okay, I've learned all I can. Now I got to make some money somewhere else. I eventually found a deal. It was pretty substantial transaction. By that juncture, I actually had moved on from that investor just as of late, just recently. And uh, I talked to another investor. He wanted to buy the deal. It was a wholesale transaction for two properties. And uh, we got it done. The official kind of, we're not working with each other on the first guy kind of happened. And then project came along and it worked and I got paid. And that just kind of like, that put this gas on the fire even further for me to get cranking even more. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Ongoing, relentless, never-ending education. Continually, not only learning and, and getting education from the highest quality sources you can at all times, but also applying that education. Actually doing something about it and taking action. You got excited there when you were talking about that. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of my other top five passions is getting education. Getting That's one of the reasons I even like financial freedom and any of this nature is so I can pursue higher levels of education. What are you learning right now? I'm guessing you're asking that question as it pertains to real estate. Well, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm learning a lot, I suppose. In this specific case, I'm really focusing on the ability of raising capital, learning to do it, and add value to everyone involved. 
And how are you teaching yourself that? Again, through mentors. I have a guy in my mastermind, and he does that full-time. He does it for a bit bigger projects, apartments, mobile home, parks, things of this nature. But ultimately, yeah, mentorship. And I got a lot of that online. Have not been 100% pleased with books that I've looked at in that regard. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, personal one-on-one education and a lot of stuff online and things of this nature. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's get it on, man. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever best ever book you've read well that's probably going to be how to win friends and influence people one of my favorites best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it wow um that would have had to be something in the realm of romance romantic relationships you know i made some mistakes along the way hurt myself hurt some people and, and grew from it learned from it what'd you learn exactly well i learned it's absolutely imperative to be yourself 100 percent offer that, put it out on the table, and whoever's going to love you for who you are should and will, and whoever won't should beat it, ultimately. Best ever deal you've done? I love that first deal. It showed me that it was possible. It showed me that a kid can get paid for that sort of thing, for putting their effort towards it, and it inspired me to move forward. How much did you make on that? 7500 bucks. I think I was like 20 something like that. So I, I was a good feeling for me. Best ever way you like to give back? Well, one cause that I really believe in is keeping kids from getting sold into sex trafficking. I don't think any person, but specifically children, could ever have to deal with that. So Free for Life International, I think their website's freeforlifeintl.org. That's an organization that I like to support. In fact, I'm going to Nepal in September where there's a border monitoring station. They've recently done some raids in India, Nepal, and and saved a a lot of little girls from being sold into sex trafficking. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Uh, Biggest mistake uh, that I've made, I would say probably trying to go at it lone wolf initially for so long. I mean, ultimately, I would seek mentors, but in my mindset, I was still on my own at all times. So not building a team fast enough, trying to go out at a lone wolf, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes and something I would encourage a newer investor to avoid. It's a team sport, so start treating it like that. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? A couple places. One, you can go to our Facebook page, which I believe is facebook.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, house, circle, life, house, circle. Website is www.lifehousecircle.com. If you go there, you can go ahead and subscribe to our education. And in our offering, we're releasing a course on property evaluation here in the next next few months. Well, Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about all the creative ways that you know how to do deals through your education that you continually put yourself through that you also not only educate, but you want high quality sources for that education and then put it to action, which is critical. And I'm glad you mentioned your very first apprenticeship was 12 to 18 months before you got paid. That's the key. And you got paid $7,500 
you were working 12 to 18 months and then you got paid $7,500. I know that is an important fact that myself and the best ever listeners should internalize because we listen to these podcasts, we hear people talk, you know, watch YouTube videos and we hear these success stories and you clearly are a success story. But in 30 minutes that we talk, it's easy to overlook the amount of time that it took to get that person to that point and what they had to endure and what they did to get there. I'm glad that you mentioned the 12 to 18 months as well as talking us through the subject to and sell it as a owner finance little complicated deal that you did. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Joe. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it and I wish you a good day as well. Thank you. Awesome. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.